0: Hello and welcome everyone to episode 97 of the Apt EVs podcast. I'm your host Chris Rogers and this week's episode will focus on the Aptera news for the period between January 22nd and January 28th, 2023, which will be an update on DC fast charging and the announcement of a new program for Aptera. hello everyone i hope that you all had a great week this week's episode is going to be about a some follow-up information from the reveal of aptera's launch edition vehicle during the webinar there was a bit of a kerfuffle focused on one component of that webinar that is the discussion about dc fast charging and this last week ended up a little bit busier than I imagined that Aptera planned for it to be, and I thought it would be regarding news and announcements. I thought that this last week was going to focus on an investor-focused webinar and the details that came out of that meeting. And instead, there was sort of a a a spontaneous video that that came out uh, featuring co CEOs Chris and Steve that focused on DC fast charging and the time of that launch edition webinar video they said that DC fast charging was something that they were exploring for a future update for the vehicles but the launch edition vehicles they would not include it at that time I mentioned that it would likely be important for them to figure that out going forward for the larger capacity 600 and 1,000 mile vehicle but the response to that announcement was Rather emphatic, as many people likely objected to the inability to charge at higher speeds for the their vehicle. With the 400 miles of range, that was going to put a damper on Aptera's ability as a road trip vehicle. Specifically, those who got the launch edition vehicles. Those are the first ones that are coming out. Because people who came down the line, ostensibly, if they were able to add that into the vehicles... They would have that DC fast charging. The people who got the the presumably premium launch edition vehicles, though, they would require a retrofit. And that was a large part of the discussion and the comments that you could see online of people objecting to that. And, and there's also, if you're going for a longer edition webinar, it sort of raised questions of, well, when are they going to be able to get that in? Is that automatic that the longer range, the six hundred and one thousand 1,000 mile range, would have it? So there were a lot of questions about that. And in response to this robust feedback, Aptera released a video with their co-CEOs explaining, firstly, that DC fast charging will now be a standard feature on the launch edition vehicle. So great, fantastic. As well as their justification for their Initial pause in development of that feature in their vehicles I'm gonna play an audio clip from that video where CFAMRO explains what happened there
1: You may recall from Chris's campaign earlier this year to lobby Tesla to release their NAX plug for public use Um, Before that was done The only option Aptera had was the SAE combo plug a very big plug Uh, You've probably seen it in the video that he did and it's a very difficult problem to package on the vehicle. That's why we always wanted the Tesla plug. So because we didn't have line of sight for that, and because we didn't want to package that big combo connector, we paused the development on DC fast charging. But we've already been working on fast charging for over a year. We decided to turn back on this program that we had paused months ago because we didn't really have line of sight to the NAX connector. But now that we have line of sight to it, we have access to it. Um, coupled with your very, very uh, vocal and numerous uh, posts and feedback, we decided to make a change.
0: In short, Aptera built DC fast charging into the vehicle a while ago, or at least they started development on adding that feature into the vehicle a while ago, but they halted development because They didn't want to use the bulky J1772 connector for the vehicle. That was what motivated the Change.org campaign asking the U.S. government to adopt the North American charging standard, formerly known as the Tesla connector, as the plug standard for all electric vehicles in the United States. In the video, you can see when Steve is talking about this, a computer model of what the DC fast charger would have looked like with that older J1772 connector. And my speculation was incorrect that one of the reasons why they didn't include that DC fast charging initially was that they were concerned about the heat management on the battery capacity. It sounds like they didn't really talk about that at all. I thought that would maybe would have been one of the concerns. The real concern was, was just, are we going to be able to use this Tesla plug or also the North American charging standard? Because, you know, they had to build that into their build of materials and their development. And they need to make decisions around the wiring and a number of features and the different components. But once Tesla opened up that plug and stated that it's now the North American charging standard, a key barrier was removed. And so the announcement that they made this last week that DC fast charging was going to be a part of the launch edition vehicles. What they were really announcing is that they have resumed working on a program that was already in place and they had planned for it down the line. I guess they're really doing is removing uncertainty that was sort of implied in the webinar that, oh, you know, it's not going to be in the launch edition vehicles, we'll explore a retrofit. They were sort of trying to temper expectations that something that, yeah, they had the capacity to do and they were now planning on doing because of the North American charging standard, but now they want it to be more explicit, and I didn't include this in the audio clip, but th- the online feedback that Aptera received that that definitely led to the sort of swift announcement that hey, this is going to be part of the launch edition vehicles. Uh, moving on to some of the stuff that we got out of that video about DC fast charging, I love learning new stuff, and so there was a part where Steve explained why they haven't settled on the fixed rate of charge and instead what they've said right now is that oh we're expecting 40 to 60 kilowatts in terms of the rated capacity and so take a listen to this clip explaining why they haven't fixed on you'll be able to charge at this rate or this will be the capacity and so you'll be able to get this rate of charging miles per hour
1: why 40 to 60 kilowatts why can't we just say a number well, at a minimum, the heating from all of the bus bars that we have, um, 40 kilowatts is below the limit. Uh, but, you know, as as current goes up, the losses go up with i square r And so the sizes of the bus bars and the cables and everything need to increase. And so we don't want to add too much copper because it adds weight and that adds cost. So through validation, we'll see how how higher we can get above 40 kilowatts but uh, I believe it's a 40 kilowatt minimum, perhaps up to 60 kilowatts after validation.
0: Basically, we'll all have to wait for testing validation to figure out how close Aptera is going to get to 600 miles of range per hour, charging range per hour, or the minimum rate at 400 miles of charging range per hour. And for those who are looking at the larger capacity batteries, the 600 mile range of Aptera, the 1000 mile range of Aptera, those numbers are going to be of increased importance. You know, if you look at other EVs out there, again, and is going to charge much faster than other vehicles. There is no vehicle right now that has 600 miles of range or 1,000 miles of range. And so, at if they're at, they stick at the minimum at 400 miles of charging range per hour. And the fact that you'd have to wait one and a half hours if you've got the 600 mile range vehicle or over two hours on the one hand you're you're going oh that that seems like kind of long but that's still going to be way way faster it would still I imagine be nice to have a nice round number that if you have the 600 mile range battery that you you could go from 0% charge to 100 in a little over an hour there is also the sort of practical implication of charging up the larger ranged vehicles, which sort of went into the reason why I looked at the 400-mile range instead of the 600. For a while, I was kind of going back and forth and just thinking that, you know, with the reduced capacity during the colder winter months, a 600-mile range battery would seem to be perfect. But, you know, the reality is, even if you're thinking about this as a, a road trip, there is sort of a maximum amount of range Unless you're in some sort of weird competition or you're in a race, maybe if you're powerballing across the United States, you're probably only going to drive a few hundred miles at a time. Even if you have the, and say it put differently, even if you have the maximum range capacity, Aptera, at 1,000 miles, it's not like you're going to drive 1,000 miles and only stop every 1,000 miles and go from 0% to 100% the you're probably going to stop for brakes every few hundred miles just like everyone else. And so at six hundred miles of range, you know, you're still going to be stopping. I guess you just have to align your stops for the regular brakes with stops for DC fast charging, in which case you're likely going to be going from around forty percent to eighty percent in the larger capacity vehicles. You're not going no one is going from zero to 100 that just wouldn't make sense now stepping back to my overall reaction to this announcement the quick reversal and the fact that both co-ceos came out and felt the need you just think about all the things that they're doing to get this company off the ground the fact that they've done a few webinars joint webinars so quickly it it speaks to how important they felt it was to get ahead of this issue And I'm really happy with the responsiveness to the feedback from future customers. The message that I'm taking, though, is that if Aptera has the capacity to make a change that they themselves believe is reasonable, they will do their best to adapt to the customer request. And I think that's important to keep in mind when assessing other requests that people have that you see that are common and come up regarding the vehicle, whether that be the overall width of the vehicle, or possible price increases for their vehicle. If you use this example now of the sort of quote-unquote reversal on DC fast charging, it provides some instructive examples. You know, so for DC fast charging, they had already started development on this. This wasn't going from scratch. This wasn't really a full reversal. It's more of a resumption of activity. And they only slowed down because They didn't want to build in the bulky components that would have been required if they they different the existing CCS plugs that that were on the market. But once they knew that they'd have access to the more efficient solution, they had already planned on going forward on that, and so they just re-picked up that work. When you think about something like pricing, however, that's dependent on a larger range of external factors. And unlike the North American charging standard, Right now, they may not have the sort of line of sight that is required in order to finalize that right now. Once they get that, they will likely try to keep because people are going to be disappointed. If, if you announce things at a certain price level and then you increase that later, there is always going to be some level of disappointment. People will feel like you've gone through a sort of, you've pulled the rug out from under them, a, a sort of bait and switch approach. And so they're probably going to do their best to stay as close as they can to the original prices. At the same time, you know, they, they can only do so much. If all of their suppliers are quoting them price increases in an, an order of uh, 20% higher from what they were originally pricing, you know, they're, they're going to look at what can they do in order to stay that. So it, it's still TBD, and, and that's what I'm trying to keep in mind. Uh, another bigger picture reaction is just that this is great news that they're going to be able to include this. Everything that I said last week about the fact that with the 400-mile range Aptera and my style of driving and the way that most people drive their vehicles, that's, I think that's still true that DC fast charging isn't an absolute necessity like it is for these other EVs that you see on the market with which have much larger Uh, battery capacities and they also have much, they're much less efficient vehicles and so in order to use them practically, it's important more often that they have higher rates of charging. But for most Aptera owners you know, with your solar charging that is going to be adding up to 40 miles per day of of range, it's just not the same level of necessity. And there's also that last component of the overall battery health and the fact that manufacturers right now, they ask you not to rely exclusively upon DC fast charging. It's not supposed to be good. I am curious, though, about that component. As a, it, there are a lot of things that are general truths for electric vehicles that don't necessarily apply to Aptera, and I'm curious about that impact on battery degradation. Because at what they're saying right now is 40 to 60 kilowatts of capacity, for the rate of charging for the vehicle, that's a far cry from the 250 kilowatts that a Tesla supercharger is rated at, or the 150 kilowatts that you've seen for many new EVs that are coming out. That's a a fraction of the rate. And so again, you're talking about a fraction of the heat that's generated of the, you know, I don't know what the exact physics terms in terms of uh, circuits. You know, I'm not not Steve Famro. He's out here talking about how the loss is coming up at squared. I don't know what the, those those calculations are. The point is, 40 to 60 kilowatts, that's DC fast charging for an Aptera. That would not be enough for some of these larger capacity vehicles. And so, they're recommending that you not rely on DC fast charging because they know the strain that is coming in, and at a lower rate, it would seem that there would potentially be less rate of degradation for Aptera batteries, but that's something that only they're testing and validation that we'll know about in the future. Regardless, the lack of DC fast charging, that would have been a glaring omission that would have been added to the relatively small list of areas where Aptera is performing worse than standard EVs. Seating really is the only other item on that list, but if they didn't have DC fast charging, that would have kind of been an odd point of, oh, you know, get an Aptera, it's better in all these ways, but You're not going to be able to charge it at hundreds of miles an hour because it's not enabled if you're one of the few customers that gets the early edition vehicle. So the fact that they change that, that just makes it a much easier, much more straightforward pitch. I'm glad they got this sorted out and ahead of this so that the narrative going in to the eventual production of the vehicles isn't just, oh, you know, this is just one more thing that people are sort of upset about and have to adjust to. But Great news overall. The next story of the week is another major announcement where Aptera is trying to get creative in how they will enter production of these vehicles. Aptera has announced what they're calling the Aptera Accelerator Program which will put customers in line to receive the first 2,000 vehicles based on the amount that they invest into the company. Put differently, Aptera is hoping to raise with the first 2,000 delivery slots. They're hoping to raise at least $20 million in crowdfunding by offering the ability to sort of jump to the front of line for deliveries. And that would allow you to get the vehicle within the first year, definitely within the first year or so. And so if you are interested in this and also what they're doing is if you have already invested in Aptera, then they're going to add that on to your total investment, this current $10,000 minimum that you would be required to do. And they're going to create a leaderboard. And so if you invest $10,000 now in the Aptera Accelerator program, that will put you in line to receive one of the first 2,000 vehicles. Whoever invests the most, in in addition to requiring this 10,000, so if you go above and beyond that, you will receive the first Aptera vehicle. So presumably, if you are Mr. Moneybags and you invest, I don't know, a few hundred thousand dollars into the company, and that's the highest amount that they get, then... You will 100% get the first Aptera vehicle. Uh, full disclosure: I have invested a small amount in Aptera. It would not be ten thousand uh, dollars, and I am—I have to say—I'm unlikely to add ten thousand dollars to try to get in the first two thousand vehicles because you know I don't just have those funds just laying around, and I'm—I'm I'm actually trying to save up for the vehicle right now. But if you are one of those people, you know, this is what I'm looking at. This is it's sort of a creative way of what they're trying to do to reach out for for new investment. And in fact, in the investor webinar that was last Friday, they focused on early on on this, the creation of the accelerator program where they're essentially You know, if you were looking at the launch edition vehicle, which is supposed to be the first vehicles that come out, they're essentially auctioning off the first 2000 reservation slots so that they can raise money for the company and hopefully get into production more quickly. What Aptera believes is that the value of those slots is fairly high because there are many people that are interested in the vehicle and they're a marketable asset that they can use in addition by raising this additional money they believe it will actually allow them to get more vehicles to everyone else faster in other case there's sort of a knock on effect of if enough people if 2000 people spend you know invest a lot of money into the company it doesn't actually mean that you know maybe if you are right now if you were the 1000th person in line in the company your actual projected delivery date would likely have been longer if they did not solicit this funding, assuming that it is, is successful, a successful com- campaign where 2,000 people decide to make this minimum $10,000 investment. That's the theory that they're, they're going on here where they're looking for big investors who will help the company get more vehicles to everyone faster. The other big reason for why they're trying to do this is that the, or I guess, why are they trying to solicit larger investments as, as opposed to asking people to make larger deposits on their existing vehicles? And the reason is that if they ask for this money via deposits on the vehicles, that money is far less flexible than investments in the company itself. In, in fact, all of the money that is made on the deposits of the vehicle, apparently, that can only be used towards production of the vehicles themselves, those exact vehicles that the deposits are for. Whereas investment money, that can be used for matching government grants, that can be used for purchasing equipment tooling, and that can be used for anything and everything that the company needs to do in order to get into production. So they're really asking for flexible funding so that they can get to their, their actual production. You know, I thought that that's an interesting point because I would, I guess if they had asked for, I guess if they were asking to increase the amount of my deposit, that's something that I would consider. It would basically be asking me, you know, would I like to essentially put up all the money for my vehicle now versus later? That's something I would look into. Whereas this is an an added investment on top of if you are, that's not reducing your overall purchase price for your vehicle and so that extra funding that for me is less attractive but for the company that's what they need to, in order to get into production and when i saw this announcement it reminded me of the recent announcement by sono motors which is another solar electric vehicle company which is upping the deposit required in order to get into production that's more along the lines of you know asking If everyone pays up front, we think we'll get into production. Whereas Aptera is saying, no, we need flexible funding so that we can do that. And, you know, ultimately, it looks like what they're trying to do is is they're trying to lean more heavily into crowdfunding, which they've already, that's really been a big part of how they've gotten to where they're at. And they're trying to use that as an incentive to, hey, if you're really interested in getting your vehicle as soon as possible, They're hoping that they can rely on those individuals, possibly high net worth individuals, in order to do so. And they've spoken greatly about the fact that they're looking for high net worth individuals. Presumably, there's someone that could come along and say, yeah, I want the first Aptera vehicle and I'm going to invest a few million dollars right now, which would go a long way towards their their current basically fundraising goal that they're looking at. And so someone would be interesting investing a few million dollars into the company, they would also be guaranteeing that they got the first vehicle. Um, and that, that's really just making official and opening the door something that may have already been in place, that may have been part of their pitch to large investors of, hey, you know, if, if you invest a lot of money, you will get, we will deliver it to you first. And they're just opening it up to theoretically, everyone else to do. Um, go, moving on to the the rest of the webinar, I'm not going to go through it because I know there were some bits of it that were confidential, and I think there, there are parts that have come out, but presumably if they release more details on that webinar, it did go into, uh, I guess, the broader presentation speaking about the team of Terra, what they're planning on doing, their overall production. A lot of that information has been shared already. They they also did go into a little bit more detail on some of the things that they're planning for the future, including speaking about what was really interesting to me, speaking about the way that they've been trying to model the safety testing. I'm very, very, very curious about how what the end results are for that, because I, I'm really convinced that this is an area that once they are able to publish the data, it's going to put Aptera in a far more, you know, more so than their efficiency, their low cost of ownership and maintenance. I think the the point when they're able to say, this is the safest vehicle at its size segment that has ever been created. Once they're able to say that, it's also more durable. They're going to be able to pitch that vehicle to a larger range of sort of practically minded vehicle owners. You know, people who want... The the function over form in their vehicle, Aptera is going to say, "Yep, this vehicle is going to cost you less to operate, to quote unquote fuel. It will be more durable because, as a composite vehicle, it's not going to rust or break down. You possibly will never have to pay to refuel it because of the the solar charging. And also, this is the safest." vehicle that you can be in at that size because with the safety cell design, the sort of rounded shape that encourages glancing blows, and the composite materials that are 10 times stronger than steel based by weight, that this is a very, very, very safe vehicle that costs less than any other EV and will take you further. It's just, it's going to make it even more of a a no-brainer, even more so than I think it is to businesses who are looking at that, but for consumers who are looking at hey you know i want a a vehicle that gets me from point a to point b and i want to spend a lot and i also want to be safe in it so i'm really excited for for that but i would say stay tuned for potential more information that will be coming out you know they've i think they've already made the announcement about the accelerator program but you know i'm hoping that more details from that or finer details from that presentation will come out soon but Overall, it you know'm I'm, I'm curious what folks think about this accelerator program and I, I think that the company was a bit concerned about essentially auctioning off the first 2000 deliveries people are eagerly anticipating the vehicle and so the fact that it's sort of up for sale may rub people the wrong way for myself, just based on the timing when I get the vehicle, I just hope that the company remains solvent and I eventually get it someday. You know, if I get it at the the end of twenty twenty four or at sometime in twenty twenty-five, I'm fine because, you know, I believe in the overall mission of the company and, and I like what the company's doing with their vehicle more so than anyone else. But, you know, let me know what you think at either the email address apt ev's at gmail. Or you can find me on Twitter. I'll also do that in in the closing. But send me an email curious to know what you think. And that concludes episode 97 of the AppDVs podcast. I hope you found this episode interesting. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell a friend so that we can continue to grow the Aptera movement. I guess I would be remiss if I didn't suggest... On behalf of Aptera, if you really enjoyed the podcast and the company, they've got this accelerator program and they are soliciting your funds so that you can get first in line for a vehicle. If you do invest in the company and you do reserve a vehicle, I include my referral link in the show notes, which you can use for $30 off your $100 refundable deposit for an Aptera. The App EVs podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor FM, which hosts the podcast. If you have any questions or feedback, including corrections, please send those to aptEVs podcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at apt underscore EVs podcast. Thank you to OS50 for the song Movies. And in the words of Jeff Kanata, think about what you put out into the world, make it a better place.